0: I have no choice but to speak out against a horrifying sandwich injustice that I confronted the other evening as America's number one advocate for delicious sandwiches trying to solve the world by getting bread in perfect ratios to people in need so that they can not be hungry and just be nicer to everybody and live a more fulfilled life without kids, families or anything because they're being fed well with deliciousness and so they feel content with everything that's going on around them. That's what I advocate for. That's what you guys show up for week in, week out. A man who's going to tell you the hard-hitting truths about what they can do with delicious breads. And so I must speak out against a horrible, grave injustice that took place to me the other night. I was coming back from uh, New York City. I was hanging out with uh, BK Chris all evening. We had a good time. We did some uh, terrible show on a sidewalk where, you know... You did comedy on a sidewalk. <laughs> Apparently, I haven't missed much uh, by being in Connecticut all these months. But uh, props to Harrington. You all remember Harrington, who's booking over at the Brooklyn Comedy Club. You guys should go check that out. I'm not sure if it's up online as Brooklyn Comedy Club or Old Man Hustle, but he's giving me some hosting spots, which have been uh, a lot of fun. The lineups there have been good. Uh, and then on Saturday, I did a show on the side of a sidewalk. Me and BK Chris were hanging out round about all night. I'm driving home. I start getting sleepy on this ride home. I didn't eat all night while I was out because I have a bad stomach. And then I'm in the car. I pull into a gas station. I needed some gas and, um, I went inside, figured I'd pick myself up a cup of coffee. Now this gas station, which was on the Merritt Parkway, wasn't on the Merritt, it was on the Merritt Parkway. It seemed to be, uh, like it had, it had its shit together. You know, it was, um, uh road stop i guess which there's only two between you know stanford and the city and they had like hot dogs spinning around in a wheel you know they had a whole tray of crispy creams uh this is a little bit more high-end also their coffee options they had like 12 different coffee flavors which makes me think this is a gas station that has its shit together they've got multiple flavored different coffees it also looks like it's got like a fancy Joey coffee brand or something I don't know. It just looks like these people have their shit together. And I was going to wait till I got home to eat cuz I made myself a pretty good meal. I've been getting good at um I don't know if I talked about this yet on the show, but I've gotten pretty good at um crockpot condom cooking which is when you take one of the condom bags that they make for Crock-Pots, so you don't have to clean up, you put it in there, and then you just take whatever the fuck you have in your kitchen, you put it in there, you turn your Crock-Pot on, it's like a science experiment. I've got my recipe down, I basically just throw down some rice, I throw in water, every single spice that I can find, I throw some beef on top of that, you let it cook for a couple hours, I throw some peppers in for good measure, I'm eating some pretty good meals, am I cheating on sandwiches with rice? You know what, we can... We can have a relationship expert on in a the future episode. We can get into whether or not I'm cheating on uh, the true love of my life. But back to the sandwich injustice. Let's not get into me and my rice and what I'm doing wrong by eating rice at home. And let's talk about this gas station and what they did wrong. So I'm about to pay for this thing, right? I'm about to pay for my coffee. I pick up a strawberry nutri bar, and I see they got a whole shelf of sandwiches. And I don't know about you guys. Email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com for a long time. I didn't trust gas station sandwiches—not for a second. They, 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 sometimes they're putting out tuna fishes. Sometimes they're putting out turkeys. It just—it uh, looks like a shady operation. But then I got to thinking—you know—your Circle Ks—they seem to have their shit together. Cumberland Farms in Connecticut seriously got their shit together. Wawas took it a whole new level. They basically put a better subway into every single one of the of of you know their things. And I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe we're in a new era. Maybe the technology is there. Where, you know, they've got the right old ladies putting together delif- delicious sandwiches. They're keeping them refrigerated. This thing is well-trafficked. They've got high-end coffee. They've got uh, hot dogs on a roller. Maybe this gas station has its shit together. And then I see a peanut butter jelly on whole wheat. I'm like, I've never seen anybody fuck up a peanut butter and jelly in my whole life. I'm really hungry right now. Fuck it. I bet that sandwich is perfectly good. I bet I've been... uh discriminating against against gas station sandwiches my whole life for no good reason. I bet that this is a perfectly delicious, nutritious sandwich. So I pick it up, I pick up my coffee. I think I got myself a seltzer too. I get in my car, I start driving, I'm unwrapping the sandwich, I take a bite, worst sandwich I've ever had in my entire life. You go to the middle of Africa, find some kid that's never eaten a sandwich their whole life, that kid could make a better peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't even know how you messed up this sandwich so bad. Like, the bread itself, you know, like, Wonder Bread's, like, almost bread, but it's also, I haven't had Wonder Bread in a long time. Maybe Wonder Bread is delicious. It had, like, a sponge-quality type texture to it There was almost, like, styrofoam-esque. It's like, if you literally, you know, that packing styrofoam, if you just put some peanut butter, and usually... There's enough calories and bullshit going on in peanut butter and jelly that even if you're using shitty bread, you know, a a, a shitty enough peanut butter, which is mostly just canola oil and sugar, with more sugar in the jelly, with salt to balance it out, how do you fuck that up? And they did. And I just think that, you know, it's not representing sandwiches well. You're hungry. You're on the road. You want to grab, like, sandwich would be perfect. How do you fuck up peanut butter and jelly? So I'm just, uh, I'm disappointed. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anti-sandwich. I'm, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to say that, you know, some sandwiches out there are not representing the sandwich community well. And that's why people like me, we got to speak out against it. I'm going to write them a letter or maybe, maybe you guys want to do a protest. You guys want to protest <laughs> bad sandwiches at the gas station. I'm not even lying about that one. Robsnewsroom at is if uh, four or five people hit me up and you want to do a protest at this uh, gas station, I am down. On a different note, uh, you know, I think I worked out a little bit too hard today. Or maybe I'm too passionate about the sandwiches because my sternum seems to be cramping up on me. I knew I wanted to do this episode uh, standing up. This is the wrong episode for sitting in my car. but Or maybe I'm having a heart attack. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not my stomach muscles. Maybe I need to stretch more. I don't know what's going on here, but we're going to get through this episode. Uh, Moving on, let's get into some actual news stories. Uh, I'm seriously going to have to consider ramping up my dating efforts because this might be your last chance to find a girlfriend before the Johnson & Johnson vaccine kills all the women. Uh, So you got to get out there. Scientists, they're, they're working on it. They are trying to figure out what it is about the vaccine um, that doesn't seem to be harming men and killing women. The working theory at the moment is that apparently the vaccine doesn't mix well with people that are annoyed about something but won't tell you what the fuck they're annoyed about. So they are putting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine back on the market. Uh, Fauci said that they, you know, completed their one week timeout. They had a full week where it wasn't on the market. They were able to think about what they um, did wrong and they solved it because they promised that they weren't going to kill any more women unless there was a label on the uh, vaccine. From now on, there was a problem. They'll admit it. There were a couple of women that died. There were blood clots, but now they're going to put a label on it, and as long as there's a label on it, then, you know, it's it's your fault if um you decide to take this thing that they tell you that you have to take, and I still don't think you're able to go to places and be like, hey, I want this one instead of that one, or, you know, would think you'd maybe you could run something called a study, you know, maybe you could actually see which vaccine works best for other people uh, instead of experimenting real time. And just so, Hey, the 30 year olds who aren't really at risk for dying of the COVID, maybe they shouldn't take the vaccine. Cause they're the only ones that are getting the blood clot, but no, they didn't decide to do the actual studies or figure out what the issue was. They just went with the label system. It's like the biggest thing in science now, where as long as you label things, um, I guess you're just not held responsible. So Uh, maybe, maybe I just don't understand the science well enough. Maybe in a future week, we can get a scientist on run your mouth to explain to us how labels solve problems. I, in the future, if I ever get cancer, cancer, I'm just going to put a label on my body. Moving on. The acting commissioner of the FDA said this, this is not a decision. The agency reached lightly. So apparently they really sat down. They had a conversation. They did an in-depth thought discussion about it, and they realized that they were fully committed to releasing untested vaccines on the U.S. people. Uh, And what's nice about this is that if something does go more wrong, we can go back to the FDA director and say, um, so apparently you were deliberately killing women because by your own admission, you guys didn't do this lightly. It wasn't a quick decision. It wasn't a panic decision. You really sat down, you thought about the ins and outs, and you're like, hey, let's put this thing out there. And uh, here's some other moments in vaccine bullshit that I appreciated. Here's the first one. This is a CNN article. And the headline was EU regulator finds possible link between Johnson and Johnson vaccine and blood clots. It's kind of hard to go with the possible link thing when it's being pulled off the market in the U S because I mean, this happened right after it got pulled off the market. Like you can't say there's a possible link. And then of course they go, but says the benefits out the risk. You can say, Hey, benefits outweigh the risk, but you can't say there's a possible link. No, there's clearly a link. You can say it's not that risky of a link, or we think the risk of the virus is worse than the risk of these blood clots, you can make that claim, but you can't say it. There's a possible link. I mean, that that's a pretty uh hard bullshit line to to go with. Okay, here's another one I loved. I, this is from a different article. I'm not even sure where I got this one from, but uh I didn't, I'm, I'm 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 not making this one up. Here's a quote: J and J shot could prevent 1,400 deaths, and it could cause up to 45 blood clots. Uh, and I just love the, it's like, they're not sure, you know, they're at the point in their scientific studies and research where they're still at the could part. And, um, since it could, they're just, they're just going to put it out there. Scientists have studied, I don't know where between hypothesis and conclusion you're at the, it could something, uh, but that's where they're at. They've done the research and they've at least made it to the, Hey, this could help, uh, um, factor. And if you're wondering what kind of information we might find out about these vaccines, here's a Reuters article. It just came out today. After all, these are new vaccines, and uh, in my conspiracy theory opinion, they're going to try and suppress whatever they can to pretend like uh, this stuff's as good as can be. And so, you know, little by little, there might be small stories, little reports of Uh, unforeseen consequences, little risk factors, maybe things that might happen to your health by taking them. So here's one of the first ones I'm seeing, and this is out of uh, Reuters. Israel's health ministry said on Sunday it is examining a small number of cases of heart inflammation and people have received Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, though it has not yet drawn any conclusions. Pfizer said it has not observed observed a higher rate of the condition than would normally be expected in the general population. Israel's pandemic response coordinator Nachman Ash said that a preliminary study showed tens of incidents of myocarditis. I have no idea what the fuck that is occurring among more than 5 million vaccinated people, primarily after the second dose. Ash said it was unclear whether this was unusually high and whether it was connected to the vaccine. In other words, nobody has any fucking clue. And, um, uh, the good news about science, though, is that we can no longer run experiments and find out fact from fiction. We don't know if you got to wear one or two masks, so it's anyone's guess. People uh, screaming in the car um, talking about, you know, sandwich equality are just as qualified to make these evaluations because even the science is studying them, the most that they're willing to come to a conclusion to say is that it could do something, which is meaningless. Uh, go watch my uh, end-of-year thing I did where, you know, I, I already did the joke that anything could do anything. All right, here we go. The best part, in my opinion, most of the cases were reported among people up to age 30. So in other words, it's uh, mostly the people that probably don't need the vaccine anyways. Once again, another thing we could probably sit down and study and go, okay, I guess the riskier people should get the vaccine and look at that. How lucky is this that the vaccine and the side effects uh, only seem to be in people that don't need it? that's actually really convenient so why don't we just give this to the 50 and the 60 year olds or the people that actually have risk of covid you know and and uh, as we're uh, all obsessed now about the risk outweigh the you know the rewards outweigh the risk the benefits outweigh the risk that's the line they like to use other than the uh safe and effective But the benefits outweigh the risk. So for someone to the study of risk and reward, maybe actually study uh, some of the consequences of taking this thing, who has those problems, and then we could have a better map out of who actually should or shouldn't take the vaccine, what vaccine they should take. But then, of course, you'd have to actually run studies in order to get these kind of information, um, which is why, please... If I uh, tell all your friends to get the vaccines, we want to get, make as many people as part of this guinea pig experiment as possible. And the more the people that take it, the more that um, they can pretend like uh, there's a reason why we can open up. And then three months from now, you know, they can take it again. The point is, most people, lucky for us, are not listening to the Run Your Mouth podcast. And hopefully we can be the free riders on this thing. Hopefully, everybody else goes out, they can get the vaccines, and uh, we'll find out what happens. It's no sweat off my back. And as I'm talking about the vaccine a bunch and uh, just how terrible it is, you know what will protect you from bad vaccines and COVID and any medical problem you ever might have in your life? YoCranom.com, home of the $6 kilo. That is not true. I don't think YoCranom will help you from any medical diseases whatsoever. However, we're doing a bit this summer on the shed. Go check out the Shedcast. We're doing Shedcast Bodega Summer where uh, our good friends over at Yo Kratom, they sent us a supply package of bodega drugs, and every single week, we're going to do a different bodega drug to figure out what is the best for podcasting. I can actually tell you, I took a single Kratom pill from them. I I forgot which... uh... I'll have to look up which blend it was, but I took one, dude, that shit is fucking energizing. I'm telling you one, like, I can't tell you, uh, that like, it's like when you take a, you know, a single hit of weed and you don't quite go over that threshold of being totally fucked up. And it's somewhat energizing. It wasn't, it's energizing in a more clear headed way than that. I'm not advocating drug usage in any single, uh, any single way. Also don't, You know, be over the age of twenty one and be reasonable. If you've got uh, you know the the bad habits of if you take something once, you got to do it for forever for the rest of your life. But if you're a normal human being, I can just tell you, a single kratom pill, it 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 packs a kick in a good way. Like it is a nice energizing buzz. You can get some work done. You're a little bit relaxed. You're not that upset about things. So, yo kratom, home of the six dollar kilo. When you're picking up whole kilos for six dollars. Hey, you can pack a lot of productivity that way. Not that they're allowed to, I think, advertise that Kratom is particularly good for productivity. But I'm just telling you, we're going into Shed Bodega Summer. And I think Kratom might be a difficult bodega drug to beat in terms of being uh, helpful for your productivity. Uh, what are some other drugs? I don't know. Uh, we're definitely going to have to experiment with boner pills. Uh, you've got... Uh, Uh, I don't know what else, whatever, whatever you see, especially if you're like, got really out there bodegas with some really crazy, uh, (laughs) bodega drugs, let us know. We'll include them in the run I mean, the shed cast bodega summer. And now let's take a look at our next news story, which is a weird one. Caitlyn Jenner is now running for governor of California and what's nice about Caitlyn running for um, the governor of California, she's the one politician I believe is willing to make a change. Speaking of change, climate change. You know, humans. Well, we'll let humans transition, but we're less understanding of the climate. You know, the climate wants to uh, maybe get sexy and hot. Makes them make some the, the the not 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 what we're gonna let it do. We're keeping this thing. Anyone believe it? I don't believe this climate change. I'm like, I'm going full fledged climate change denier. I think that this is just a a power control grab. I think that's what's going on. And of course, if you're following what's going on at the new climate accord, uh, apparently Biden's planning on by 2030 just shutting down the country. He's figuring we've had a pretty good run, so let's just slash emissions by half. Um, Let's give money to everyone without a job. Uh, Let's give money to all the key uh, industries that have uh, helped me be in power. Let's maybe get a couple more wars in here. And let's just, um, this little thing called economic growth that has uh, helped us through the years, helped us with innovations, Help us make a better planet. We're done with that. We're, we're, we're betting against that scientists could ap- could ever come up with um, alternative energies that are actually profitable or that there's some sort of a way to uh, clean up uh, or some sort of new resource we haven't discovered. I have, never mind the fact that, you know, for some reason, nuclear energy doesn't emit carbon and yet, you know, we're not going to just uh, invest more into that. Uh, but no, we're just, uh, we're calling it a quits, And we're going with this new thing, the Green New Deal, where we're just going to set fire to our green currency and, you know, free us from the shackles of wealth creation and just go for, you know, this new world where we're a little bit more invested in global starvation, uh, centralized government and death. That's going to be our new theory. And by the way, I got a new conspiracy theory if you got more information on this, Newsroom at gmail.com. Uh, and this is based on my interview in the second half. And it's always great when you record your pre pre-record three days after the interview and you can do a half hour interview and take the guy's most interesting part and then just claim it as your own at the first part of the episode. So then people think you came up with it. Uh, that's going to be my new structure moving forward. Always do the interview three days before you do the pre-record in your car while your stomach's cramping up on you. Not because you ate something, but because you worked out. And that that's a better claim for why your sternum is hurting you really bad. Uh, But here's my new thing. When someone gets into office, you got to see what industries this guy's batting for. And you, you got to go bet on those industries. So, you know, theoretically, uh, when Dick Cheney got into office, you got to go, okay, we're going to war. I'm I'm investing in war. If someone from Amazon got into office, you got to go invest in Amazon. Uh, and as each person gets into office, you got to look at who they take for their treasury, for their financial cabinet positions. You see what banks they worked at, you go invest in those banks. So here's my prediction. I think gas prices are going to be going hell up. I think that's what's going on here. You guys are going to have to listen to the second half of this episode in the interview and what was said that makes me think that. But I think... Uh, a lot of this new carbon talk is um, they want to maybe get rid of some of the competition for gas. For all of these claims of, uh, you, of, I guess, that we got to be off of gas, maybe what they're actually trying to do is limit the sources of where we can get gas and start selling gas at more of a premium and maybe help out Saudi Arabia or some of the other countries that will, you know, it's like this whole fracking thing, which... Uh, really kind of changed the entire structure of the way energy markets were working and made us, I think a net exporter, as opposed to uh, just an importer probably changed all of the supply and demand ratio for oil, cheap oil. That's the basis for, uh, or at least I remember when I was actually working in finance, they were talking about cheap uh, oil. That's what we need to get the economy. Like that's the number one stimulus is everyone's paying less for gas. All of a sudden everyone's got more money for other shit. Uh, but you know, Biden, he's going to take care of everybody. If it's a recessionary environment, anyways, he's going to cut checks to you directly. So the more important thing is let's make oil prices go up And you know, I might be totally wrong on this one. We're going to find out. Uh, but if you got some good, uh, oil companies, I don't know who's I invest to you? Saudi Aramico who's doing the worst shit in the world. That's really the best way to invest is just look at who's doing the absolute worst shit in the world who couldn't care about anybody. Uh, And go and go invest in them because whoever's most evil, it probably has the most profits and you might as well play for winning teams. So just invest in Amazon, invest in the big banks, invest in everything that you hate in the world, uh, because at least as they, you know, rob the planet of its wealth, you can get a little bit of the piece of the action. You know, you can get a little, little bit of a slice of that. So and then you can actually just sit at home and not even care about the things that these people are doing because you're going to get a little dividend, a little slice of the pie. And speaking of this new socialist structure where uh you know Biden's going to just help out everyone. I actually spoke to a couple waiters in New York, and they're not getting themselves new jobs because they got unemployment checks coming. And they would have to be dumb to go get themselves a job. I was actually talking to a business owner, wants to open up his business another night of the week. He's got an audience that would attend. He's got good comedians that will work that night, but guess what? He can't staff it with a fucking waiter because everyone's picking up some unemployment checks. Maybe these people are, no, I actually spoke to a waiter who told me, I asked him, I was like, oh, are you still at that? He's like, "No, I'm cutting unemployment. Why the fuck would I go back there? And and that just points out to me the mistake I'm making. And I bet some of you guys are making this mistake as well, that you're working for a living. I have no college debt and I, and I and I haven't been fired from a job. I mean, just think about how epic of a mistake this is. We all know that stress is a killer and the government will cut you a check for not working. So we're basically just killing ourselves for no reason. Are we suicidal? That we didn't go to party schools, enjoy some of that free pussy. I don't know that it was free. I probably still wouldn't even gotten pussy if I went to one of these uh, party schools because I'm me. But it was was pretty readily available. You didn't have to show up to class. You could do some keg stands. Hopefully the women were doing keg stands too. Not that you could take advantage. Don't be a creep. You don't want to get me two years later. All right, let's move on. Here is the article. Permanent expansion of jobless benefits is floated. Wall Street Journal, first paragraph, Washington Democrats and Capitol Hill are pushing for the White House to propose more generous and long-lasting jobless benefits on a permanent basis as part of the anti-poverty package President Biden is expected to roll out next week. Later in the article, they're calling it the CARES Act, which is a great name for uh, instituting socialism and make sure that no one has the incentive to do anything with their life. So, you know, it's just it's the Care Act where if uh, you don't want to work, we'll cut you a check, which is very nice of them. I've always been a lazy person. I've never enjoyed working. And I hope that they uh, they expand that in a way where I can better forecast how to be a fuck up in a way that gets built. Like it's okay to be a fuck up in life. You just gotta be a fuck up in the right sector. So where I messed up is I didn't take on college debt and I should have better forecasted the market that we were headed towards more socialism and that people were gonna get their bailout. That's on me. And these days I fucked up that I got a job that wasn't just uh, being a waiter. I used, to, I used to bartend. There was a time I was a bartender and I was thinking I think I gotta do better for myself and I fucked up. I I took the time to take on more stressful work, and what a mistake I made. And so, you know, maybe we can have a a powwow. Maybe the fans of the show, hit me up, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Maybe we can forecast the critical failing industries in the the country that potentially, if we go work in now, we can get a bailout. Like some of them, like coal. Coal's going under, but I don't think they're going to help out those people in any capacity. But... Uh, Who knows? I'm sure there's some other critical industries that I'm not thinking of that are probably going to fold in the next couple of years. And maybe government will cut you a check for like two years after that industry goes under. So if you can just get yourself into the right failing industry, you know, you could potentially be making an income for a decent amount of time. Or maybe if you can forecast the next uh, virus that government pretends like we can't work for and have to stay in our homes. So maybe if you can make sure to have a job that you can't do from home, that's how you get these government checks. All right. And now last news story before we uh, get into it with my guest. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Um, the ty- the headline was the Fed's real diversity problem. And according to a new Brookings Institution um, report, a pressing issue with the Federal Reserve is its dominance by white men. A growing chorus has called on the Fed to diversify its rank at all levels to reflect better The heterogeneity. I don't know what that word is. I I need, I need like a college professor just to tell me what these goofy new words are. Maybe that's not even a new word. Maybe I'm just letting everyone know how stupid I am, but let's go back into my uh, passionate talk. Let's go back to where I was. A growing chorus has called on the Fed to diversify its rank at all levels to reflect better the something word of the United States. And I just feel like this call for diversifying the Fed it's like asking for a more polite rapist. I feel like so much of the conversation in government is like, I don't care the crimes that these people are doing. I don't care if they're robbing us of our wealth. I don't care if uh, y- you're going to war. I don't care how much money you're printing. I-, I don't care if you're raping me and my asshole. I just want a guy who's gonna use some lube, he's gonna take me out for dinner first. He's going to be nice about it. He's going to say please and thank you. Uh, And, you know, the the rape part, I'm still going to get raped, but as long as he's polite about it, as long as he calls me the next day and asks how much my butt actually hurts, uh, as long as he uses proper table manners, as long as he'll, uh, I don't know, opens up the door for me, just as long as he's got good etiquette, it's okay that he's a rapist. To the credit of the Wall Street Journal, they actually, uh, are attacking this point of view and saying that if we're looking for diversity, maybe a diversification of the ideas at the Fed and how best to run it. And for all this call of diversifying the Fed, I do remember that there was this lady who was, uh, trying to get into the Fed or maybe even, uh, Trump was trying to get in. I should go look this one up. I'm pulling this one out from deep within my memory roll, but there was some lady who was talking about, uh getting us back in a gold standard that she blocked from a Fed appointment. Uh, So, of course, it's not that they want, uh, you know, even a diversity of people there or a diversity of ideas. They just want more women and minorities who can sit there and approve, uh, you know, basically inflationary monetary policy that rob us all of our wealth. But you guys, you've listened to this show before. You don't need more of my talk about the Fed. What you need is this conversation that I'm about to have with the at Great Iron Chris, where we get into well, actually the Fed. <laughs> we get into uh BlackRock. I find BlackRock fascinating. I find what the fuck the relationship is between the big banks and the Fed fascinating. And uh most specifically, I've got a general well actually, I I don't need a I don't need a double intro. it. Let's get into this conversation with at great iron chris. And uh, remember, uh, support our sponsors, Sheath Underwear. I've been doing a shit ton of bike riding, and I've been wearing that shit, and it is fantastic for bike riding. Uh, I don't know if you guys are into cycling in any fashion whatsoever. If you are, and you live in Connecticut, hit me up. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I, I bought myself a nice bike. I'm doing some riding, but let me tell you, it's perfect to keep everything in place. Um, it, if you're wearing those tight bike shorts, also, you need something that's going to give a little bit of a boost because those bike shorts definitely show off your junk and there's no avoiding it. Like if you're wearing bike shorts and people don't see your junk, they're like, dude, this guy's got no junk, right? So you might as well get that sheath underwear, which props your junk up, makes it look a little bit better. It's almost like a padded bra for your, for your junk. Uh, so that, you know, your little dick cleavage within your tight bike shorts, it's amplified, but not just that. Honestly, when you're riding your bike shorts, you know I've had we've 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 all been there. We've had some chafing, or you gotta like maneuver things, whatever. I don't know if you've done any cycling. I can just tell you sheath underwear. Generally speaking, perfect underwear, very supportive, very comfortable, really good in the summer environment when things are getting hot, uh, and you're working out. It's particularly good. I'm telling you, when you're cycling, you put your dick in the sheath hole. It's locked in place. Nothing's moving around. The underwear is comfortable. It's a working system. So go to sheathunderwear.com. Use that promo code RYM. You are going to get yourself 20% off. And of course, Yo Kratom, home of the $60 kilo. Let's get into this interview. And now uh, on the show, we've got Chris from Oklahoma. We're going to get into what I think is the most uh, interesting and important topic that seems to be unspoken about by anyone other than myself and Chris you're following the Run Your Mouth podcast, I'm going after BlackRock. I'm talking about how it's all government funds, promoting this leftist movement, getting all this stuff out there, making all the profits and kind of being obedient. And uh, Chris is one of the few guys that hit me up on Twitter and said, hey, I've got some more information on this. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Chris.
1: Hey, happy to be here, man. I appreciate you letting me on. So just to kind of fill people in
0: on the starting point, I was looking at what was going on in um in Atlanta, where all these companies are boycotting what is not a racist voting law. It just isn't, and, and they're boycotting it. And I'm thinking, why are these companies getting involved in our politics? Like, just go make your money. If you're if you're Coca-Cola, give people diabetes, make your money. Like if you're a corporation, go make your profits. You don't have to get involved in this stuff. And I realized. It must be because there's more profits in getting involved. It must be that you're playing for a team. And if your Delta Airlines are looking for your bailout, if I don't know what Coca-Cola's game is, but you're playing for some teams, you got to tow some party lines. Uh, And so that was kind of my starting point here to go, hey, there's some government funds floating around here. Uh, The second step to that was someone pointed out to me that a lot of it is coming from these pension funds, putting like some pressure on these people. And I know that a lot of government money is getting like flowing through BlackRock. So I'll hand it back to you to maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you've seen or read on this or if I'm somewhat getting the picture right.
1: All right, I'm going to start with BlackRock. That BlackRock handles $8.7 trillion worth of money in their money management. If they were a country, they'd be the third largest GPA in the world. Sorry, GDP in the world.
0: And I think I saw for like investment, like the total investments like in the world, I think floats around, or at least from pension funds, which are the biggest players, like a hundred. Tr- I think it's like a hundred trillion dollars. I thought I saw the figure I saw for BlackRock was like seven trillion, but that floats them at about seven percent. And I think the largest single player.
1: Yeah, they're the they're the largest in the world as far as that goes. They're. uh yeah, they would rank under the U.S. and then China and then BlackRock as far as money they handle on a regular basis goes. And they've got a larger amount of money than Japan. But what I've really seen that's interesting about them is the amount of people they've put in the Biden administration. They've got, let's see, Biden's senior advisor is the brother of Thomas Donald. Let's see, Donnellan. Anyways, Thomas Donnell is the chairman at BlackRock, and then they've got Brian Deese as the top economic aide for the Biden administration, and he is the BlackRock executive. Former BlackRock senior advisor Wally at AMO is in the Treasury. The global chief investment strategist at BlackRock, Mike Pyle, is the chief economic advisor to Kamala Harris. In other words, that's, so that's just what from, I could dig up.
0: People from BlackRock, it's the revolving door of government. Uh, in the past, it was people from Goldman Sachs seem to get these uh, government positions. Uh, and now I, I guess what you're pointing to is it seems like there's a pretty good tie in between the Biden administra- administration and BlackRock. Uh, and we also know that at the beginning of the pandemic, all of the funds that were given to kind of bail out the banks was actually handed to BlackRock first. Uh, from what I understand, they were made the distributions through whatever that SPV program was. Some of this stuff, it's not widely reported and it's also not like purposely, they don't make it the easiest thing to follow or understand, but it does seem like, uh, the BlackRock tie in from like it's pretty transparent. So you've got people that have left BlackRock that are now working in government, and you very clearly have government funds that are flowing to that bank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty tied in with everything. It's, it's hard to find anything on it. It, you've got to do a lot of digging, and most of what you find is not, not accurate from what I can tell.
0: So what would you say? Um, all right. I guess the to play devil's advocate, the argument that's always put forward is, hey, we need experts in these positions. And so where, where are you going to find a financial expert? Well, it's someone who's worked at a big bank for 25, 30 years. Like If you want to find a career professional who really understands the financial markets, who can make the recommendations for government on what they should be doing. So we're going to need an expert. The only place to do that is going to be one of these... Like, You're going to have to pull them from Goldman or Morgan Stanley or someone somewhere else. Now... I would look at the picture and go, yeah, but they just keep like, it's the same way uh, you got Dick Cheney and he started a war so he could get some profits for his old company. These people, they're still working for their old companies. If Even if it's not directly, it's their friends. They're going to do what they can to help them out. Is there anything that you've seen so far that seems incredibly flagrant Um, oh, that, yeah. you know, go all right, lay it on us. What's some of the flagrant stuff government has done to specifically help out BlackRock?
1: Well, they shut down the Keystone Pipeline at about the same time BlackRock was putting piles of money into Saudi Arabia. They built a new office there about that same time. Oh, and and so to just kind of
0: fill in the pictures on that. So Keystone Pipeline was a direct pipeline between um, Canada and the US. One of the Biden's first things he did was shut it down. What was funny about it was they said that it wasn't it wasn't safe. And they were basically, they were saying the rail cars were the better option. About two weeks after they shut it down, there was like a rail car that exploded in Texas, which kind of debunked their, uh, to me, surface level, kind of debunked their claims that it was the safer um, of the two options. But I'm not an expert on safety or rail cars or transporting oil. Um, But you're saying that it was directly a handout to BlackRock who would want to have higher energy costs here so that they can import more from Saudi Arabia?
1: That's sure what it looks like. I actually uh, do work in transport and port in the oil industry and pipelines are clearly the way to go. They're replacing all the trucking everywhere with pipelines right now, even just for hauling water. Interesting. And so the other claims I think with the Keystone
0: Pipeline is, well, I guess there's a little bit of an eminent domain issue of that There were some Native Americans who at least were claiming to be unhappy about it. I I can't tell you the particulars on that, but they were also saying that it was going to be on some lands that could potentially have irreversible damage, which seemed like a bullshit claim to me,
1: but you actually work in the industry. So what was your take on that? I've been on oil cleanups that you would think are just an impossible mess. And within a couple of days, it's pretty well straightened out. There's not a whole lot of issue left the oil can be cleaned up and I, I don't i don't think a pipeline leak is what they were aiming for here that's not it's not something that happens often when it does it's caught pretty quickly all right so we've got first case it
0: seems like blackrock is one of the players that doesn't want the keystone pipeline biden comes in shuts it down any other really flagrant examples of government saying hey blind blackrock fans let me help you out here here's some money
1: I don't know a whole lot about BlackRock. I've pretty much covered most of what I've looked into on that. I've been paying more attention to the uh, the the ESG scores or standards and the let's say uh, stakeholder capitalism. So let's uh, let Black me say just kind of something I've been looking at on the side. So let me set you up for the
0: um ESG conversation. My theory was it seems that companies are not really interested. In this leftist agenda, it seems like there's a financial incentive for them, and that there's more money flowing to them through government than through the private market. uh, That they're going to start enacting more of what voters might not even appreciate, the market might not even appreciate things that might not even be profitable for them, but because government funds will come their way for supporting these these initiatives, they're going to do it. Uh, And so that's not conspiracy theory. There's actually this new program with the ESG investing. In part, BlackRock has, um, I think, some exclusive access to cheaper bank capital as long as they're meeting certain criterias. Uh, and I'll hand it back to you to explain to people firstly what ESG is and then why we should all be so concerned about it.
1: Uh, ESG started, I guess, fairly innocently as it's Environmental, social, and corporate government governance, but that seems to have been replaced sometime, probably between two thousand six and two thousand ten. It's hard to tell. By this thing where banks are controlling what money they give to people to businesses based on. What their diversity of their board looks like or what kind of polluting their company does or, you know, what what politicians they support. It's it's become this strange thing that's huge, very big and hard to get a handle on. And. It's probably one of the biggest things happening right now, this will be this Chinese social credit system. It's going to come to our country through the businesses and not necessarily not openly on the face through the government. And we, we've already seen they have a willingness to lose money to support unpopular causes. So
0: the starting point on that is almost interesting where you could go, wow, the banks are turning a hippie corner where they're saying, listen, we're we're not concerned with profits anymore. We're not concerned about maximizing our investments. What we really want to make sure is that the world's a better place. And so we're going to place investments, or we're going to give interest rates based off of that people are making environmentally friendly investments, or that they're hiring in um, certain categories at certain rates, that they have a diversified in, like workforce. And so we're actually less concerned with profits. We're a bank, we're all about money, But we're entering a new landscape where we're not that concerned with profits. What we're more concerned about is that um, people are going to be doing things that are responsible and are going to make the world a better place. That's kind of the pitch. But the problem is, I don't buy it from the big banks. I call bullshit. I don't think for one second they care about anything other than profits. Um, And I also don't think that this is a pure business decision. I think it's quite clearly... That a lot of the capital that they rely on, as you were saying, maybe it's coming from China or maybe it's coming from the U.S. government, but I think it's from people that there's in more profit of actually controlling um, the world in the economy and these claims of things such as uh, the environment and protecting the environment or making changes to systemic racism. Anytime you sell something someone to someone, you know, you got to make the claims of hey, there's this harsh thing and I'm, I'm helping you out here. And so the way that they're pretending like they're helping us out is that um, we've got problems in, you know, with the environment or we've got problems with systemic racism. And so we're going to come in and we're going to try and correct for that. But I don't know about you. I don't, I don't buy any of that for one second. I think that's the phony pitch.
1: No, I I think it's all about money and power. It's a hundred percent money and power. They've, they found a way to, well, virtue signal is what it is. They're virtue signaling and they're forcing anybody who doesn't virtue signal correctly out. So uh, explain that to us a little bit, because I don't know that much about the Chinese credit
0: system, but I think you're right. I do think that they're figuring out a way in which they can actually, you know, essentially police us where you can't get your home loan or you can't get your business loan, Unless you are, as you're kind of describing, you've got this social credit score, your virtue signaling in the correct way, you're meeting their opinions of what the world should look like, which is not just profit driven. Uh, which to me is a pure capitalist. I think that's how we all win. But uh, are you familiar with how the Chinese credit score system works and how this would kind of duplicate it?
1: Yeah, they kind of allow business licenses to go to people who are, you know, in good standing with the Communist Party. And they're allowed to move more freely and have better perks in life.
0: And you see the ESG is kind of duplicating that.
1: I see it as a big step in that direction. The, the ESG is slowly moving into the consumer market as well. And we're, we're, we're on path to be with what they're doing. The Merrill Lynch edge product i believe is what it's called for investors under $250,000 has already given ESG scores to the regular investor people with you know uh 401k's through them things like that
0: Right, so I almost think it creates more of a profit potential for other people to almost seek out the forms the the firms that are like, "I don't give a shit about e s g firm for like I don't care about this rating, we're not participating and I go, "Oh shit, that's the people that are really interested in profit. that's where I want to invest my money.
1: yeah, that's kind of how I look at it i I'm invested in a lot of oil companies and weed companies, you know people that are in it for the profit um. I don't look at Coca-Cola and think that that's a good move right now because everything they're doing seems to run counter to how you would make money. People are they are making people mad. They're raising prices. They're, they're getting involved in local politics. And it's its not the kind of thing that uh, the regular investor would go all in for.
0: All right. So one more thing that I, I've just been thinking about in regards to the, ES, the ESG and a little bit about the um, information climate that, that we're living in. I remember when I used to hear, you know, when they talked about German propaganda. So the line was always that, like, the Jews control, like, the, you know, the money in the media. And it's like, well, if they control the media, why are you reading this? Like, how does that make sense? How does it make sense that they control the media, but you're reading that they're horrible? That doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think there's a similar thing happening here where it's like, you know, kids are in college and they're they're being taught that white man's evil and that they, you know, control a framework by which nobody can have articulate thoughts or take on the power. Well, how are you in college learning about it? If these people are all so incredibly powerful that they're creating these power structures by which they can't possibly be taken on, right? If they're really that power, why are you learning about it? If anything, if these people are really that powerful, it must be the opposite. It must be that they're using all these tools and these things that they're claiming you know, are eroding the power structure to actually help them. So one of the examples, like recently, you got all this talk about you know four or five years ago we're hearing about how bad big pharma is and all the profits of big pharma, and now it's all about hey, aren't these vaccines amazing? Or you know four or five years ago it was like hey, the big banks are really ripping us off. Look at this power structure in this country that there's all this money, there's the one percent, and you've got the big banks that are clearly protecting that. Uh, this which is nearly a framework for oh man, the big banks are really helping us out. They're the ones who are taking on. All these environmental issues—they're the one. It's like, you, you know what I mean? They're they're almost repurposing um, the propaganda to pretend like there's some other boogeyman than themselves, and that they're actually here as the knight in shining armor. And I don't buy it for one second. I think that there are forces and people in the in the world that are actually pretty powerful, and they want to remain in power. Uh, and it's mostly the big banks and the Federal Reserve and government. And these are kind of like their new tools for trying to pretend like they're helping save us from some other boogeyman.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I this actually just reminded me. I read a news story this morning about how the EU is trying to keep BlackRock from taking part in some of their 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 governance because they have a they, they have an issue with them having so much money invested in oil while at the same time BlackRock's trying to push all this green green energy stuff on all the companies they deal with. Oh, you mean the EU is
0: pushing back on BlackRock because it's actually getting in the way of some of their powerful people
1: making profits? It could be. They're saying it's a conflict of interest for them to have so much money invested in oil while trying to get in on the market for talking other companies out of investing in oil.
0: Oh, why? What's Oh, because uh, this is fascinating. I'm just trying to piece it together. And I, I have to go fact check this because I don't know. But based on what you're saying, BlackRock is heavily invested in Saudi Arabian oil. And so for them to being able to profit off of one of the major oil streams within the world and being invested in oil, who the fuck are they to go deprive other people who would like to be in the energy sector um, the capital to make the investments and also be able to provide us with energy. In other words, kind of like what you said with the, um, with the Keystone pipeline, or um, if they've made plays against Nat gas in the U S this is almost like Nat gas has been the best thing for the U S and kind of giving some competition to Saudi Arabia and bringing down oil prices. You're now saying they're almost like a bunch of traders where they're trying to do everything they can to limit Saudi Arabian oil competition by claiming that they care about green energy and cutting off the financing for alternative energy projects.
1: I could really see that being part of it. That, that sounds likely. All right. Well, we went dip, deep
0: into the conspiracy talk. Hopefully like, uh, like the, the, you know, the bat signal, hopefully the internet will hear this conversation and uh, some more informed professors or people who are really doing the muck cracking will uh, be up on Twitter. We can get some more information, Chris. Before I let you go, anything else you wanted to uh, throw in here?
1: I'd like to send you some sources, uh, some links to articles I have, and I I think you would do a much better job of explaining any of this than I could. No, but no, you're
0: you're great. I've, I read. Um, I've put
1: together a lot, and I and I can get it to you.
0: Excellent. You, um, I, I read uh, most of the articles that you had uh, sent over my way. Maybe I missed a couple, and I'm, uh, you know, I'll definitely give them a read because I'm fascinated in this topic, and I'll link them into the episode description. Uh, anywhere else? Uh, where can people find you
1: online? Where can they find your writings? Uh, great Iron Chris at dot I'm. I'm much better in written word than I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> uh, no, 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 you're, you're great, and uh, I can appreciate. It. I've spent a lot of time running my mouth. That's why. And uh, why don't you just plug that Substack once more? Because uh, it looks like the interconnect connection got a little bit shaky there. I want to make sure that we
1: got it. All right, that's GreatIronChris.substack.com.
0: Okay, thanks so Also much for- on
1: Twitter at GreatIronChris.
0: Hell yeah. All right. Thanks so much for uh, joining us and uh, for all the insights. Have a good night, dude. I
1: appreciate it, man. Have a good one.